0: Welcome to Spooky South ghost Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed
1: to happen, but it does it. AM 1420, WBSM presents Spooky South ghost with your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa.
2: Good evening, welcome to Spooky South Coast, uh, what we believe will be our final primetime edition. It'll at least be our final edition of 2006, we know that for sure. But uh, that's only because in another day, the year is over. So we'll get into that in a little bit because we have an exciting uh, New Year's Eve announcement to make a little bit later on. Uh, but yes, as I said, tonight is the final primetime edition for Spooky South Coast, uh, at least in the foreseeable future. Not sure how January is going to shape up yet with the NFL football schedule. They will be playing on Saturday and Sunday for a couple of weeks, so we're not sure, you know, exactly when we're going to be on the air. But stay tuned to the website spookysouthcoast.com, and we'll have more information as it becomes available. And it's it's hopefully we can get on the air because we have some great shows lined up for the new year. So uh, we also have a great show for you tonight. Uh, we have joining us Dr. Ron Million. He's the gadget guy for TAPS. He makes all the equipment that they use on the program, and he's he's uh, really just ingenious, some of the uh, creations he's come up with. And, and now he has a new venture that he's working on with uh, Brian Weezy harnwa who hopefully will also be joining us at some point tonight. We put the call out to him, but... Uh, We'll see if he if he can call back. It's you know he's got a, a little one now, and it's the holiday season. So, so who knows? But we will have uh, Dr. Ron joining us in just a few moments. Uh, one thing that we do want to mention uh, I alluded to at the beginning we have something special going on for New Year's Eve. We actually have a New Year's Eve Spooky South Coast Marathon starting tomorrow night, Sunday, December 31st, at 6 p.m., and going all the way until 6 a.m., a 12-hour Spooky South Coast Marathon, 12 hours of some of our best interviews uh, over the course of this past year. And uh, we'll have, of course, our original interviews with Ron and and Brian and also uh, visits from Keith Johnson, our Angels and Demons show, uh, all the members of TAPS that have joined us, uh, some of the various programs we've done with Rosemary Ellen Guiley, such as Dreams and the Paranormal, uh, maybe the Lizzie Boyden case who knows, there's going to be a whole bunch of great shows in that 12-hour marathon. However, that won't be on the radio. That'll be on a website, planetparanormal.com. If you go to that website, planetparanormal.com, click on Studio B, beginning tomorrow night at six. You're going to get 12 hours of Spooky South Coast because we want to try to hit midnight everywhere across the earth uh, as it as it hits. So because you know Spooky South Coast, we're a worldwide phenomenon now. So. Anyway, that's our little uh, self-plug there. And now uh, we can get right into the discussion tonight with Ron. Uh, we'll talk to him about some of their new ventures going on. Good evening, Ron. How are you doing tonight?
3: Hey, good
4: evening on uh, Saturday, um, kind of uh, New Year's Eve, Eve before the, uh, we say goodbye to 2006.
2: It's the last night that you don't have to be remorseful for what you didn't do during the year. It's, there's still time.
4: There's still time. That's right. We got that uh, another twenty-four hours plus,
2: <laughs> and uh, we're going to try to make the most of it that we can. Now you've had a pretty uh, interesting year on uh, with some of the new ventures coming on. I mean, let's start all the way back to the last time that we had you on. You were just starting work on uh, with John Hutchinson on a recreation of the Philadelphia experiment.
4: Yes, that's um, that's still our, our very ongoing project because it's um, it, it's a. It's kind of a complicated, uh, as you you can imagine, uh, event that uh, we're trying to put pieces of it together uh, to eventually accomplish the same uh, results even beyond um, from 2006 and, of course, in 2007. So John and I have been tooling back and forth with uh, some various uh, we call pre-testing experiments and um, just due to some physical logistics um, at the lab, actually at Johns Lab, uh, we're able to um, get some uh, some pretty interesting uh, electrical phenomena of uh, between um, uh, we what we do is some uh, high frequency microwave um, uh, bombardment to a uh, model ship. Um, what we got what we got was a uh, a non-predictive path, we call a non-predictive path of, elect- of, uh, of electricity. You could say, just simply, uh, bounce it around the model ship, and what we call is um, wave propagation. In other words, in other words, uh, w- the wave itself, the water itself, the water basin that the model ship was contained in. You could actually see the the water almost like if somebody, um, uh, you know, got a miniature uh, propeller and you started to create these um, uh, waves. And that was all due to uh, microwave-concentrated uh, energy. And- so um, what we're doing is we're uh, planning uh, next stage of increasing the, the model and the uh, you could say the laboratory basin, in other words, the water, um, to more replicate um, uh, similar um, circumstances that happened in the uh, Philadelphia experiment, all known as Project Rainbow, back in the, uh, back in the 40s.
2: So and to try to do something on that large of a scale, uh, as they did originally, is going to take, I can imagine uh, plenty of experimentation in the lab first.
4: Plenty of experimentation <laughs> in the lab, plus uh, some additional resources, um as far as we're trying to get hollywood and actually hollywood involved of uh backing us up uh, to create what we call the Hutchison effect show so we're working on that <laughs> and uh if we get the we get the green light uh, they will uh, be kind of more of the <clears throat> finance people in the background mm-hmm. to give us the right tools and maybe um we could probably go quarter scale, and maybe to a point where we could actually uh, get to a full-scale system, which would be really incredible. So um, we, there is uh, some people in uh, in California that uh, actually, there I could tell you who they are. They're actually um, uh, this, there's a show coming on called Race to Space, and that's the Benson Boys, uh, where they actually have looks like a Miniature space shuttle that they'll take people up in space for about two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars. That show, the people behind that are the same guys that want to uh, create and bring on the Hutchison Effect reality show. So part of part of that would be, um, of course, uh, the recreation of the Philadelphia experiment. Uh, in that sense, so we're uh, we're trying to see how that going to uh Expire in 2007. You got to realize sometimes some of these shows, some of these shows could take one to two years, even more, in the making for um, what we call as uh, the agency to uh, approve. And besides approve, we'll also say what, uh, who's the buyer? In other words, the buyer would be Sci-Fi, mm-hmm. Discovery Channel, History Channel, Travel Channel. You know, so those guys are the buyers. So where would it fit into? So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of logistics. discipline, simply trying to de- deliver the technology but also business business um, uh, logistics uh, that goes along with all this other stuff
2: it is kind of strange how you have to sync all that up together now and in today's climate you know you need to get the financing isn't there for science all the time uh, through government grants and and private grants anymore so the only way to really get it done is to get a television show developed about it
4: yeah, and people don't realize. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> um, even even in um, even with taps or anything like that, um, there is a lot of self funding stuff go, that goes on yet. And you know, people have. Uh, you know, it, it, It's very rare that you know you you get huge um, you know just like institutions or places to donate stuff. Normally, that's not the case at all. In other words, we don't have like Dell Corporation giving us you know. Uh, these high end servers to do, uh, let's say, you know, some modeling and stuff. So a lot of this stuff has got to use your own resources, and that's what takes time, you know, because if this, uh, you only can spend a certain amount of resources to, you could say, the paranormal hobby, and then the rest has got to be for, um, you know, uh, food and support and put, put the roof over your head. <laughs> so, um, you know, not everybody gets a multi million dollar, uh, uh, f- trust fund and go ahead and play. So that that that's the other thing. So that's why it could take uh, it could take quite a while. But um, privately, I'm saying pr- as far as privately, the guy that has the most toys of electronic gadgets, as far as um, equipment uh, that I know of from the face of the earth, is John Hutchison. John has a complete wall-to-wall military. Um, sp- we say military, military surplus communications, um, and transmitting and radar equipment than any other person I know. Privately, that is. Of course, yeah, you, know, you could open up the warehouse at Wright Patterson Air Force Base and get you know the whole complete underground system. But we're talking, you know, just the plain individual um, and he uh, what he has on his own personal resources and what he has accomplished in the last 25 years this is just simply mind-boggling. So for anyone out there, this guy has more equipment than, than than you can just imagine. And, of course, you could get an idea on, on just on some of the websites. Just go up on, on his website or my website that bounces to his website. And, uh, you know, you peek around with some of his photographs and you'll see he's surrounded by equipment. So if anyone could, Pull it off it could be kind of a joint partnership between him and I, since he has quite a bit of experience in um, we call gelification which are two different two different uh, objects that could be married together uh, through uh, manipulating uh, um, you could say the atomic structure of both materials to be bonded uh, or seamed. And also, um, he had quite a bit of uh, different positive results of a kind of a translucent, we call it, a translucent, uh, you know, uh, effect of using different type of metal alloys in the last uh, couple of years. So that's where the Philadelphia experiment, uh, it makes the most sense to work with this gentleman.
2: And also, uh, one of your other projects that you have that you're working on is uh... – something a little bit different, a little bit not in the lab and more out in the field, and that's uh, your new venture with Brian Wheezy Hanwa, the, the Wheezy Ron Trips. And How did how did this idea come about for the two of you to plan paranormal uh, investigations?
4: Well, since since the show of Ghost Hunters is kind of like a real big hit, and there's a lot of people out there that are, have fantastic... Um, paranormal organizations of course it doesn't get the exposure just like it's just you know you just don't get your that mass media that quick mm-hmm. but what we want to do is let's let's take the people that have the experience and the people that don't have the experience all together and let's let's go back and let's go to some what we call some tremendous hotspots around the country and let's invite the public and let's take the public on an actual adventure uh working, you know, w- working with a cast member such as Brian, for example, and uh, w- let's see if we could get any results, better results, and we don't have to be burdened down with production, such as, you mm-hmm. know, audio people, video people. In other words, let's just go hunt, you know, all night long. And what we're going to do is we're going to take uh, wh- whoever it is, it doesn't matter what, what background they come from—to be a carpenter, a plumber, a professor, uh, a chemist—we don't care. A professional paranormal investigator, and uh, let's 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 just go on these let's go on these adventures. In other words, let's go on these paranormal safaris. So uh, we kind of um, been kicking this around uh, back and forth, and we say, well, let's let's launch it. Let's 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 start it in 2007. And uh, let's let's get the people involved. Let's get all the people out there involved. And we had such a uh, tremendous response from people from different parts of the area because what we're trying to do is let's heat, let's try to hit all different sections of the United States where some people can't maybe travel that far to say from the west coast to the east Coast or from the east Coast to the west. So let's pick some great places. Where most, we you know where these people are located, and, um, that's where, that's the, uh, the plan. So our first venture is, um, probably the, the most classic murder case in history, um, which back in 1890, uh, 1892, um, and everyone knows that nursery rhyme about Lizzie Borden. So what we're gonna do is, uh, start the new year with a Lizzie Borden investigation February 2nd to the 4th at um, Falls um, Falls River Massachusetts at the actual location uh, and we're going to start with you know an overview of the place we're going to do um, some technical presentations uh, then we're going to bring um, some bleeding edge equipment that people actually will try uh, on the investigation for example uh, some portable new EVP capture systems. That's not on the market. It's this uh, internally uh, prototype that, that that I have. Um, they're going to uh, be using uh, some standard equipment, uh, some like, uh, uh, infrared video equipment, and um, some uh, probably another piece of a new equipment that we'll bring to that. The whole idea is not really to. Kind of let's 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 prototype this new equipment in the field. we are kind of let's to see what you know what the, what different parties, uh, different people are going to try to uh, discover. So what we're going to do is have an investigation team on Friday night, have an investigation team on Saturday night, then bring both investigation teams together on Sunday to reveal and go through all the data. Once we go through all the data, then we're going to compose it on a DVD. So we're going to give out. Um, on the DVD, it would be uh, background history of the location. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll probably have, also we'll try to have um, some more data on the DVD that's usually not available public-wise. In other words, um, I'm working on getting all of the crime scene photos of the Lizzie Borden onto the DVD. And plus, what we're going to do is put everybody's evidence on the DVD so everyone could share what, like, John Smith, you know, John Doe, and then it'll, it'll, it'll be, uh, you know, kind of composed that way. So what we're going to do is kind of make a trip and summary, production summary, on a DVD so these people will have this uh, portfolio to go home with. Now, they'll go home with their own evidence, but, you know, it'll take us one to two weeks to get all this production stuff together and then send them out to the to the people. So it's going to be a real unique learning and capturing experience. And then what we're going to do is then we're going to move on to the next institution. And, the, of course, some, some institutions going to be tremendously much larger than, than, uh, than the uh, Lizzie Borden place. And it's going to be a lot more uh, um, probably all different types of experiences. So, for example, the next venue after that would be Eastern State Penitentiary. And that place is huge. I mean, you could spend a week there just in two cell blocks. <laughs> Never mind just the whole total layout, um, the outside, the inside. And right now, presently, Eastern State Penitentiary is closed to the public. But we have special permission to uh, bring uh, two teams in in February uh, and also... Uh, to get to areas that it's usually closed to the public. So, for example, if you wanted to walk onto Eastern State Penitentiary during its visiting hours and wanted to go up to Cell Block 12, strictly closed, they do not allow any public in Cell Block 12. Why? Some policy they have. Uh, is it physically or, you know, uh, the construction? Is it in decay mode? No, it's solid. Uh, that area is solid and it's, um, you know, I don't see anything, any endangerment because we were there investigating for the show. Mm-hmm. So we're going to bring we're going to bring the troops there, actually to sell Block Twelve, and just to see, you know, if we could get this uh, this apparition again coming down with the uh, with, uh, you know with the cape, so called classic footage. That'd be great, and it would be great if someone else actually, in the public audience. Uh, witness or captured something, and that's what would make the trip, you know, really, really um, uh, exciting to the, to the people out there.
5: Hey, Ron, can I give you a little bit of background history about Eastern State?
4: Sure. Uh, I mean, besides what I uh, what I know about it, 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 you could add something. Absolutely.
5: All right. Uh, they used to escort prisoners in a hooded cape from cell to cell.
4: That's correct. That's right.
5: So, getting something as far as a hooded person, would actually fit historically with the place.
4: Yeah. Uh, the, the one that we got evidence on, on tape, that classic footage, was, is still being debated. It's a very, very interesting piece. Because what's interesting about it is the height. The height is average about three and a half feet. And it references to the rail, the top rail. And exactly, what what are they supposed to dress up as? Well, there's no really definition to that. words, should they be wearing black black pants, white pants, um, khaki pants? There, there is really no, there's no, yeah, you know, right, There's no definitive answer to that. But you did hit hit the nail on the head with the hood. And what we caught was, I mean, it was that that, that was a hooded, you know, say a hooded object. We call it. Chasing up and down. Now, what's interesting about that? Myself, Brian, Steve, other uh, other areas, other groups. um, Keith Age from the Louisville Ghost Hunter Society. He was actually there also on another another date and his people. Um, Everybody has tried to debunk that. uh, It was extremely, extremely difficult to have that motion, of movement, up and down. We call it it's the halfway point, halfway point of that running cell. So as you go up the stairs, the cell block is split into left and right. Uh, The right side is where we got where we captured that um, the uh, apparition, let's say. But uh, what's interesting about it is that the speed, we're clocking the speed uh, when you're in a pitch black mode. I mean, when that place is pitch black at night, just running an infrared uh, IR illuminator, you have no light at all. It's almost impossible to run up and down um, that quick without any um, external light. And there was no external light, and would be it would be picked up by the camera systems that we had there if someone was trying to. Do a hoax or a spook on that. Um, it's still, like I say, still being debated to today. And uh, we have another gentleman that's gonna, um, that's in the um, photography business, actually out in California. Um, the same gentleman who, uh, his colleague that he works with, I don't know if you remember the classic uh, Roger Pedersen uh, footage. Of 1967 at Bluff Creek, California. Bigfoot, yeah, yeah. Uh, now there's a new version of that. It's called the stabilization, uh, stabilization footage of that, and it really it really takes each frame by frame and stabilizes it. So we're going to have that done with the same outfit out in California, so we can really try to uh, make it a little bit more stabilized and zoom in at certain areas. But it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating capture. It's an it, it's an interesting capture. So these people out there that want to come on our trips uh, are hoping uh, to maybe have the same or similar experience, and um, that's a great place, great place to go venture around. And it, it, it should it should be it should be I mean really really exciting.
5: I'd like to join you.
4: Absolutely. What? Absolutely.
2: Now, there's still spaces available for people on these trips coming up, or are they all booked up? Or?
4: Uh, there's still about um, a handful of seats left between Waverly and Eastern State. And also, Lizzie Borden will have just about just a little bit of a handful.
5: Well, we can meet you at Lizzie's.
2: Yeah, we're definitely going to crash that one on you, because that's right in our backyard here.
5: Absolutely, man. That that'll be great. As far as Waverly goes, I'd love to go back there. That it was myself and one other individual that covered that entire place in. Oh, really? Oh man! Just the two of you guys? There's the well, and the owner and two of her volunteers trailing behind us. But it was just two of us doing the entire place. It took us the entire night just to cover all five fo- all five floors. And,
4: and yeah, and, and and this, what's that? Is that one one uh, run through, or did you to go back, or?
5: Up and down each hallway twice.
4: You see that, and that's all night long.
5: Yeah, it's, it's a huge
4: place. Huge, absolutely a huge place. You could see, you could see how uh, you know if uh, you could get caught in a certain area or say a hot hot zone, in a certain spot that has some some um, activity going on, where now you could start your time starts starts being invested. I call, uh, you're investing that time in that area. So that's where you could spend easily a couple days, even up to a week, uh, every every square inch uh, in a place, especially the size of Waverly Hills.
5: I had a couple of spots where my buddy and I, we were walking, say, on the fourth floor, and we would hear something walking back up on the fifth floor. We'd take the stairs up. There's nobody up there. And Uh we heard something back down on the fourth floor below us. We'd send one person to one end of the stairway, the other, and then try and meet in the middle. And I mean... Stuff like that would go on all night. I got grabbed in one room uh, with the owner, Tina Mattingly, standing right there. We got one uh, infrared apparition on film, Uh, which, interestingly enough, was when we weren't even looking for anything, which is usually the case when you find evidence. A couple of small EVPs, but loads and loads of stuff just – I mean, my friend Joe and I, we were – we were chasing stuff through that building the entire night.
4: I, I, I can imagine your, your uh, adrenaline must have been like, like all the way so high and <laughs> high and raised that um, I mean, you could, you could okay, you could have ran and run for two days without caffeine, food, soda, or anything. This the, it's just the what was that kind of meth you know mode? <clears throat> oh yeah, did you can hear that? Did oh, you was, see was, that? <laughs> did you see something down there? It's just incredible. Oh yeah. <clears throat> and uh, the, the the place. I the, say the place is just um, <clears throat> it's yeah. just amazing. And
5: uh, and events. Have,
4: and we have uh, quite a bit of people that uh, wanted through both nights, Friday and Saturday night. And they said, sure, uh, you know, if you guys want to do that, you know, it's open and it's room, uh, absolutely. <clears throat> and um, <clears throat> that is. Uh, I mean, I could just imagine, hopefully, we have the collection of evidence where we have all these teams all over the place, what we could pull together. Who knows? We might have the best evidence yet uh, out of uh, of any group because, you know, we're going to have 50 people on a Friday night, and then they're going to break up into teams, and we're going to have this down where, I mean, each team is going to have a team leader, and each one is going to be, you know, going to one area – Using the, using the latest equipment and then, um, see what, see, see what they're going to get. Now there's going to be something really new, interesting that we're going to, I'm going to kind of introduce to Eastern State Waverly, Waverly. Not in Lizzie Border because, because um, it's, of course, it's an established B&B and, um, I want to do is go to a place that has a, uh, that has a tremendous amount of, Possible entities such as Eastern State or even, of course, Waverley. Um, gonna bring this, uh, specialized system trying to put together a kind of a high, high voltage, extremely high voltage, uh, low current generator system. So I'm, I'm gonna kind of call it the, uh, the entity energizer. <laughs> Just like you know, the Eveready uh, Energizer, mm-hmm. or the entity Energizer. So, what we're going to do is
5: you guys to generate power, ions.
4: And, uh, yeah, I'm going to power this guy, power this guy up, uh, which is will um, knock you right on your ass. I mean, will knock you really right on your ass. I mean, it produces um, almost up to uh, five milliamps, and that's a dangerous level, level for you. Extremely, very dangerous for human contact, physical contact. So in other words, it it, it it could you could get really serious shock or even beyond that. So I gotta really uh, get this going and get this kind of isolated. I just don't want anyone getting hurt. But we're gonna set this set this up and turn this on, and we're gonna see. what, you know this this one theory? Of course, as we all know, that spirits um, are love to have a um, a source of energy to us. Uh, basically uh, deplete energy so what we're going to do is have a feeding system so this system is going to be kind of like a nourishing non-stop uh, buffet you could say and long as we got power to and this is going to run from a DC power system uh, uh, heavy duty DC power system that's going to be also that's going to be back supplied by an AC power system we're not going to rely on strictly batteries for this thing. This is going to be taking pure AC to a major DC power source. The DC power source is going to fuel this uh, entity energizer. So <clears throat> unless we lose totally power in a town or something, then that's when the system will stop. But it's going to generate um, this, this energy uh, all night long. And we want to see how the activities change.
2: Have you ever tried this in a haunted location before? No,
4: no, no. This is going to be a first. First, and um, we don't know if anyone had ever done that before. I'm really more excited to probably do it at, uh, of course, Waverly than Eastern Eastern State, but I want to use Eastern State as the kind of the uh, the first go around, Mm -hmm. and if I need to uh, make any last minute changes or some, um, there was something that wasn't. Uh, you know, problem either mechanically, logistically, or uh, electrical problem itself. At least I have some time to uh, correct that for the Waverly Hills, um, you know, uh, trip. But um, I got it. I got it built, and uh, it's is there. Next week or so, we're going to fire up the unit, and um, and we're going to have what they call as a kind of a collection uh electrical collection uh coil so we could discharge to it kind of like energize this coil <clears throat> and uh yeah it's going to be it'd be really uh, interesting to see if um, if there's any increased
2: activity I can just picture, uh, like in the old Scooby-Doo cartoons, when they'd go into a room and they'd turn off the light, and you could see all the ghosts. You know, all the eyes would light up of all the ghosts around the room. Once you turn the sucker on, I can just picture, like everything yeah. manifesting all at once. That's
4: it. And the thing, I like I say, I call it a buffet because it's going to be nonstop of this. You know, output power, and like, you know, like, hey, you, hey, ghosts, come here, have a feast, so they could feast all night long. <laughs> That's so incredible. instead of saying your Sunday brunch is going to be like you yeah know, here's your evening buffet just eat all you want you know for four ninety five.
2: <laughs> all right, well, why don't we take a quick break right here and uh, on the other side, Ron, we'll have you tell everybody we'll tell everybody how they can get involved in these trips if they still want to sign up while there's still a few spots available, and uh, we'll also talk about another venture that you have uh, that you've worked on with Brian, and that's uh, your own radio show. So okay, great. All right, we'll be right back in a few here on Spooky South Coast.
1: Don't look now, but spooky South Coast is creeping up behind you right after this. From the studios of AM 1420 WBSN into the night and beyond. Here's more of Spooky South Coast.
2: All right, welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, Asylum Assassin Matt Costa, and science advisor Matt Moniz along as well. We are talking to Dr. Ron Million about. A lot of his upcoming projects, uh, including these trips that he's planning with uh, Brian Weezy harnwell from TAPS and Ghost Hunters. And uh, as he said uh, earlier, they are planning the Lizzie Borden House investigation from February 1st through the 4th. Uh, They also have Eastern State Penitentiary on tap for February 15th through the 18th and Waverly Hills Sanatorium from March 22nd through the 25th. And they do have a few spots open here and there for some of these trips so if you would like to get involved and uh, have a chance to use some of this unique equipment that Ron has created, and have a chance to investigate with Ron and Weezy, then uh, all you have to do is send an email to Weezy Ron Trips at gmail at gmail dot com. That's W H E E Z Y R O N Trips at gmail com. You can also visit their MySpace MySpace dot com slash Weezy Trips. So we'll get back into the discussion with Ron, and we mentioned Ron before the break that you are now uh, you're now a radio star <laughs>
4: um the main thing of course is not compete against you guys or <laughs> anyone else out there i mean i love radio I, I i done radio years ago i actually had my own pirate radio station on fm when i was 16 years old that was rock <laughs> We actually were playing uh, rock at that time and uh, i just enjoy broadcasting um and always have a love for it um the reason for this show or our show isn't that really to, um, not really to, uh, kind of, like say, compete against you guys or, or the other great ones out there? Mm-hmm. Um, what we're just trying to do is like, trying to give a background on, you know, on each trip that we're going. So in other words, we're, like we, um, we did last night, which was the pi- pilot, you could say. We had a little technical difficulty in the beginning, um, due to their, uh, uh they're still, they're still in the beta stage of getting their, Software and everything else running, but they did a great job. I mean, the you know, the host, the host services. Uh, but which, uh, what I'm trying to do is when I'm hosting the show, is just to strictly give some really good background on the place that we're going to. In other words, Lizzie Borden. What was the history behind it? Um, you know, what what rooms were involved? What was the uh, what? Who were the victims? Um, what was um, was there any evidence? Where was the evidence? Um, what are the myths, the present-day myths? Uh, what, what was the outcome of it? So stuff like that. And uh, so, like, next Friday um, on in January uh, at 10 p.m., we're going to uh, spend a lot of time on Eastern State Penitentiary to give the people that are actually going there also, to give them the lay of the land over the air first. Of course, when they get to the site, we're going to have quite a bit of documentation for them. We'll have the layout of the land, um, kind of here's the map, here, here's the here's the uh, locations uh, of a certain floor of the floor and floors, uh, how it how it operates. So kind of a, a prerequisite to the actual trips, because what we want to do is give people most of their own time to do their own investigation. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to spend two hours. Of say well here's where the bathrooms are or here is uh, this is how the, the hallway goes down kind of like give them a little bit preemptive of the lay of the land and, and build up the excitement of it like X amount of people uh, you know were executed here there's a there, you know this death row and this is located here so at least now people could uh, if they get some keywords and they, if they need to do additional research on their own before the actual trip, I would still get uh, a lot more familiar with the layout of the land. And that's the whole thing about these, about the show, is to really, you know, get more of the internals of the infrastructure of the places we're going. Now, Lizzie Borden, it won't take a matter of maybe 10 to 15 minutes to know exactly the layout of the land because, you know, it's, the house is only so big and so many rooms. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the basement, first floor, second floor, and then you got the top, top area. But Eastern State and Waverly Hills, we have, tremendous layout as you guys know you've been there you have five levels it's a very complicated complicated layout and um trying to do is not to get someone somebody overwhelmed when they get there so someone has never been there they're going to be so overwhelmed that uh i'm going to make the make sure they, they concentrate more on the investigation than worry about the logistics of the place so give them the history give them the background give them the layout of the land uh, what areas you, you know that, that, that we're going to uh, classify as the real hot spots and which areas are not as active but can be active because we can't predict when the ghosts want to come out and play. So that's 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 really the concept behind the show, um, you know, and get and get the people that call up and asking questions about, you know, just uh, we're strictly going to talk about Eastern State, you know, and what well, it, it's like. I say it's history, it's background and. Uh, what we're going to do. In other words, we're, you know, where we're going to go and uh, what's, what's been found in these uh, you know, maybe the last 20 years of, of people in, that's been poking around. So give them like a, kind of a heads up. So that's the whole, uh, whole concept of the
2: show. And, and you have a call-in number, too, so people can call in with questions or relate some of their own experiences uh, having been there as well.
4: Exactly. So anyone that, that is, this, that's this just listening in says, hey, they would, they want to throw their two cents in there about that place. Absolutely. That's, that's the whole idea. So we could share information to everybody, uh, of plus experiences maybe they have that they, that they've been there a year before or two years ago and, you know, update us, ourselves. That'd be great and update the audience. So that's the whole thing. So we're, you we know, don't, we're going to just focus on, uh, some of these places that, you know, we, we, uh, we're going to go out and, and, hopefully uh, have some fun and uh, capture some great evidence.
2: And the website for the show is blogtalkradio.com slash PTRS, which I assume is That's correct. Paranormal Tools Research PTRS
4: to is Paranormal Tools Research Society. Mm-hmm. And I formed that, um, which is really the end of 2006, but it's a 2007 launch. And its main focus is that we're uh, – it's a society of um, – uh, you know, different different specialists. We have uh, uh, John Zaffis. We have Troy Taylor, Keith Age, um, John Hutchison, which is you know, strictly the electric guy. What we want to do is uh, Tom Briscotti, which is uh, the cryptozoologist field investigator that we're teaming up with also. So that PTRS is all areas, all branches of paranormal, even UFOlogy. And also, we're looking and doing some trips to the Bermuda Triangle uh, in hopefully September of 07.
2: Wow! And uh, and your show is also archived on the site as well, too.
4: Yes, it's archived. Um, so you could you could just go right to that site and listen to it. And of course, you can't, if you can't make the live show, you could always, at your leisure, download it and listen. And uh, you know, pick through it, see what what's what's interesting to you. And uh, uh, that's the whole the whole idea is this uh, the gather information, share information about these uh, different places.
2: I think we have a call for you, too, Ron. Okay. Good evening, Ron. Spooky South Coast. How are you doing?
0: Yes. Did you know that Lizzie Borden was incarcerated at the Ash Street Jail in New Bedford while she was awaiting trial? I knew she was, I knew she was um, in jail, but I didn't know exactly what location, but that's great information. Ash Street Jail in New Bedford. Okay, she was incarcerated while she was awaiting trial.
2: Which has some of its own history. Yes.
0: And then and then after she was acquitted, right, they sold that house on, I don't know, 2nd or 3rd Street in Fall River, and her and her sister bought a house in the Highlands. Right.
2: Maple Cross, right?
0: in, In Fall River, and that's where they died. That's Right? Right.
2: All right, thank you for uh thank you
0: thank for you. us in. One one other thing that you might uh want to pursue and I don't know whether you would want to do this is um a a big investigation and stuff on Pickenies Island where yeah, yeah. they said when when the people when the people had leprosy and they sent them all onto this island because they figured they were going to infect the whole world. Oh, okay. That's, yeah, a, that's good a good thought there. Thanks for the interest. Uh, and and the, right, uh, now, right now, that's like a small penal colony for uh, first offender juveniles, and they have to, they built their own homes over there, their own houses and stuff like that, and they raised their own vegetables and stuff like that, and they're over there for a certain amount of time, and they can't leave. No visitors, no nothing.
4: They have to find a way for us to get over to do, uh, to bring a crowd and investigate. It's,
0: it's right, it's it's right near It's right near Hunk. Okay, great.
2: All right, thank you very much.
0: Have a good day. You too. You too. Thank you. my
2: way. Yeah, that's. Uh, I believe it was Father Damien who ran the leper colony there, uh, and it was you know known throughout the world as being the spot where uh, people with leprosy were sent so as not to infect the rest of the public. That's right. So uh, now you said you had something else that you want to tell us about, Ron. Something else coming up.
4: Yeah, um, we're going to be doing quite a bit of big Bigfoot adventures, and we teamed up with the number one guy or the godfather of Bigfoot, like I say, Tom Biscotti out of California, um, searching for Bigfoot.com. And uh, we're teaming up with him to bring some uh, newer technology that we're going to try to develop. And he's been so close to getting um, uh, really great evidence. And we're going to work with him to see if we could actually come to uh, some kind of headway of this myth in 2007. At the same time, we're going to open up uh, this research, and we're talking um, hotspot activity uh, that areas that we're going to bring parts of the public uh, on an investigation. Now, the areas that sometimes we are go, going to investigate or it could be on Indian reservations like the Apache Reservation in White Mountains, Arizona. You cannot just walk on to a place like that um, uh, publicly without a whole amount of uh, approvals and the reason why you need to go there. So there's a lot of political layers involved. Now, Tom has been doing this for over 35 years actually almost since the, uh, 1967, when uh, the first sighting, you know, famous footage. So Tom and I teamed up and uh, um, a couple other guys in the group here, and we're going to uh, bring some high-tech technology to see if we could get closer to this thing between vocalization and some uh, acoustical, some laser systems, and also some long-range Long-range infrared systems using WiMAX technology, which is 802.16. That's not released. That's that's still way in its you know early developments. So we're going to bring some customized uh, stuff out there. And the other thing we're going to do is kind of do a hot internet uh, drop. In other words, live satellite internet two-way uh, where we're going to be um, doing this field research and investigation and people from around the world could just tune right in through the web through the browser to our to our spots that's another another uh, product that we that we're going to um, bring to the table so people out there that want to going to take this adventure and this is not going to be a camping trip this is definitely not a camping trip this is some real serious work and this guy has been doing it for let's say over 35 years tom Priscati, he's Known in the industry as the number one guy, and he hooked up with us for 2007 uh, to do these crypto paranormal um, uh, events and research. So we're going to do two things: get the people involved, get trying to get the research, the, the, the using the latest technology, and see if conclusively if we could come to um, if, if such a missing link does exist, and uh, what his latest. Footage and documentary that he just came out with, not released yet to um, the Discovery Channel. Uh, Bigfoot lives, which I just looked at a uh, looked at it yesterday. It's was just incredible amount uh, of of new data and evidence um, that it's just mind mind boggling that there is quite a bit of activity going on out
3: there.
5: Can I make an offer? Sure. I have my own DNA sequencer, so if you get any solid samples or materials, let me in on it.
4: Oh, that'll be great! Absolutely. Um, matter of fact, uh, Tom is open to uh, you know he's just let me lead the, the on the technology side there, so we could uh, definitely uh, use use you with that asset. Absolutely.
5: I'm, I also have a whole bunch of chromatography equipment at my disposal. Oh,
4: great.
2: This, you don't believe the stuff this guy's got, like kicking around in his basement. It's ridiculous. Kind of like,
5: like Hutchinson with chemistry equipment. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic,
4: man! Equipment. No, that that that's 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 absolutely great because uh, these are more, thing, more things to the to the table that we could bring to us as a team. Uh, you know, see if we could pull this off and, like I say, put some closure. And if there was such such a missing link does exist out there. Gentlemen, I think we'll all be historians, and this will be, will uh, be just mind-boggling, absolutely mind-boggling.
2: Well, we'll be sure to have you on, and, and we'll get Tom on as well as those trips get closer as well, uh, because I've i followed Tom's work uh, with his uh, appearances on coast to coast and, and his website as well. So we'll have to yeah, definitely talk and we're, about that. Yeah, and in we're
4: future. planning. I'll I'll mention it now. We're planning to do a March 30th, March 30th, first cut of this in uh, Paris, Texas.
2: All right. Well, we'll so, be sure we'll to get you guys posted. Thank, thank you very much for joining us tonight, Ron. Again, that was great.
4: We'll talk to you guys again.
2: All right, take care. Happy New Year to you.
4: Happy New Year, too. You guys have a safe one. And everyone see. else out there, Happy New Year. Bye.
2: And if you'd like to get involved with these trips, you can email wheezyron trips at gmail.com and they'll have more information. We're going to do the news break right now. On the other side, we'll have the Week in Weird. We'll open up the phone lines to talk paranormal with you. We're on Spooky First, South Coast. Local
1: Ready or not, here I come. Here's more of Spooky South Coast. Great a googly moogly. I can smell your I'm
0: not afraid. You will be.
1: Supernatural or something That isn't supposed
2: to happen But it doesn't happen Welcome back to Spooky South Coast Half hour number three I guess we'll say Hour number two, even though we won't be here for the whole hour because we have NFL football coming up. But this is it. This is the last of Spooky South Coast for 2006 because by the next time you hear us, it will be 2007. So what I think we could do is right here on the spot, I'm going to throw it around the table, let's all make a New Year's resolution for next year. We'll start with Matt Moniz, science advisor Matt Moniz. What resolution, we'll say Spooky South Coast related, do you have for 2007?
5: To do a lot more investigations.
2: And, and you already talked about getting back to Waverly Hills and maybe joining Ron on some of these trips. Are there any other places that you have in mind of places you'd definitely like to investigate this year?
5: One place I'm definitely going to, and I have already got some of the paperwork started on it, is I'm going to China with uh, Jason and Grant.
2: That's right. The, the big taps trip to China. It's a, a really unique experience to be able to experience the martial arts side of things as well as investigate some paranormal hotspots over there.
5: Uh, It's one place I've always wanted to visit. Uh, Working in the science field, I've been working with a lot of people from China, and I've been learning Mandarin, actually, for the past 10 years. So I can probably help out with a little bit of translating and stuff like that.
2: And uh, also going with them on that trip is martial arts uh, movie star Cynthia Rothrock. So you can probably help protect them from Cynthia Rothrock as well. Should uh, should things get a little bit dicey?
5: Well, I've been doing martial arts for close to twenty twenty something years as well. Uh, she's not somebody I would tangle with.
2: <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you what, though, I wouldn't tangle with Jason either. So, I think if it came down to a fight between those two, it would be a close call.
5: I'll
3: watch. <laughs>
2: All right, and Silent Assassin Matt Costa, what is your spooky South Coast? 2007. Uh, Does it
3: have to be Spooky South Coast related?
2: Well, it's ideally. I mean, I just okay. didn't want you to give away too much personal information on the air. But if it's something non-related to to what what, what did you have in mind? I hope it isn't to talk more. No, because that'll of be taken not. away from no. me. No. I know. No, I'm just. Kidding. I know how you get. <laughs> what is your resolution for 2007?
3: Uh For one, be more prepared for the show.
2: Oh, well, that would that would be. uh I don't know. That might ruin the charm it, of Spooky South Coast. Flying by the seat of our pants. We've been doing That's, that all year, and it's been working out well. It does. Nobody but, knows the difference. Nobody knows that we're coming in, preparing five minutes before the show.
3: Imagine if we had a behind-the-spooky South Coast. People no. would be amazed.
2: I can just imagine. Imagine if we actually had, like, interns or a staff, the theme writers,
5: music or a budget. Or a budget. <laughs> I was going to say, the theme music behind that would have to be from that old Benny
3: Hill show.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but that is that was one of yours? Did you, did you have another resolution? So, uh, I
3: don't know. Maybe Chinese calligraphy. I, I always wanted
2: to. You learn, always wanted to learn Chinese yeah. calligraphy?
3: Maybe for next year.
2: I don't know. Well, if if I have to have a resolution for 2007 for Spooky South Coast, it's to take it to the next level. Now I think we've had a lot of success uh, here in year one. We we're coming up on our first anniversary this January 28th, I believe. And, and let's, let's look back to some of our first shows. Uh, when we were first really getting our feet wet, not only in the paranormal side of things but in the radio side of things, and I think that uh, over the course of the last 12 months, we've really been able to develop a definite format for the show, a definite way for it to work for the listener. And uh, one thing that I want to do in 2007 is try to help improve that. So, anytime any of you have any suggestions of how to make the show better, please email us spookycrew at spookysouthcoast dot com, and we'll take your uh, recommendations to heart because this is this show isn't about us. I mean, if we wanted to come on and talk about you know, what we think, uh, what our thoughts are, and just give general commentary about things, it would be the Matt Mooney show, the Matt Costa show, the Tim Weisberg show. But this show is Spooky South Coast. It's about getting closer to answers about the paranormal. And and in that respect, we hope we've done a good job, and we hope we can continue uh, to do one even better than that.
5: That's why I think a lot of our guests like to come on our show, because we hand it over basically to them and become a forum or a format for them to... Exactly. Putting forth their ideas. Nobody
2: wants to hear what we think. I mean, if, if we did sit here and talk about what we think all the time, it would last one show, and then you'd know everything that we think because we don't really think that much. So hopefully the show can continue to grow into that. Uh, and, of course, tomorrow night you can catch some of the best moments of our first year uh, with our 12-hour Spooky South Coast Marathon, which will be broadcast in Studio B of PlanetParanormal.com. If you go to that website, PlanetParanormal.com, Click on Studio B. Beginning at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, we're going to have a 12-hour marathon going until 6 a.m. on New Year's Day of some of our best episodes. And, of course, I haven't actually put this together yet, so let's hope that we can get it all done and, and put together in time. Uh, but if not, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll pop in there from time to time and just offer up some opinions, and uh, maybe we'll have a little bit of New Year's champagne. And you know, Well, you know what happened the last time we did that, and then went on the air. Oh. Not on the air here, but over the Internet.
3: I thought that was good.
2: Well, that one won't be on the best best of episode. If you want that, you got to download it yourself. So. All right. Well, let's uh, do a little segment we like to call for the last time in 2006, the week in weird. And our first week in weird story comes from Karen Michael of the Roswell Record. Not only is it feasible to build an alien-themed amusement park in Roswell, New Mexico, a city official said, it's also the only city where such a park could work. Zach Montgomery, planning director for the city of Roswell, said New Mexico State University's Arrowhead Business Center did the feasibility study on the possibility of locating an alien-themed park in Roswell. Because of the worldwide recognition of Roswell for aliens, he said, it was much more viable in the area. It is not a guaranteed project, but it has gone farther than any other theme park that has been considered for the city of Roswell, and it's looking very positive, he said. This project will add greatly to the things to do for the visitors that visit our great city in search of answers regarding aliens and UFOs, and the tax benefits and profits that could be realized from a project of this magnitude are tremendous. Such a theme park could also provide many local new jobs, Montgomery said. Local officials approached Governor Bill Richardson in early December about the next phase of work on the Alien theme park. And Montgomery said the governor encouraged them to request the funding from State Tourism Secretary Michael Carletti. The phase will cost less than $250,000. The next phase, of course, is the creation of a business plan, a competitive analysis, a cost-benefit analysis, a management analysis, and a schematic design and a development plan. The Alien theme park would likely be similar in size and scope to Six Flags Over Texas. It's going to have multiple rides, a learning center for research, and if anyone wants to do research on their own, interactive stations where you can interact with the data, Montgomery said. The park could be anywhere from 75 to 150 acres, depending on what is finally realized, negotiated, and figured up. He said that there is no certainty on where the park could be built, except that it should be built within the city for the purpose of tax breaks, uh, hooking on to all the different town services. Several companies have already been approached with the possibility of building such a theme park in Roswell, Montgomery said, including Walt Disney World, Six Flags, Paramount, and Madame Tussauds. So there you have it, some of the biggest names and attractions looking to build a theme park in Roswell, New Mexico. Now, of course, we here in the South Coast area know how far these projects can get into the developing phase and then not pan out about 15 years ago there was the supposed Dream World Park that was going to be built in the Plymouth-Wareham-Carver area, Uh, and for all the years of talk building up to that, it never came to fruition. But hopefully one of these major sources of amusement parks, such as Six Flags or Walt Disney World Company, can come up with some way to build an amusement park there. Because if you can present the data in an entertaining way, people might be more willing to to buy and to entertain it. Speaking of data on the UFO phenomena... Matt Moniz has a story for us.
5: Yeah, it comes from uh, Routers in Paris. The French Space Agency is about to publish its archives of UFO sightings and other phenomena online, but will keep the names of those who reported them off the site to protect them from pestering by space fanatics. Jacques Arnault, an official for the National Space Studies Center, us said the French database of around 1,600 incidents would go live in late January or mid-February. He said that CNES had been collecting statements and documents for almost 30 years in its archives for people to study. Often they are made to the gendarme, which provides uh, official witness statements, and in some cases from airline pilots, he said by telephone. Given the success of films about visitations from outer space like E.T., Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Independence Day, these archives, it seems likely, will prove a hit. It consists of around 6,000 reports mainly relating to the same incident filed by a public airline professional and their names would not be published as well due to privacy on those sites. Advances in technology over the past three decades had prompted the discussion and it was finally approved to put the archives online, adding it would likely be available via CNS website, that being www.cnes.fr.
2: Which I, I guess is for France. Yeah. So now what do you think about that, them putting all their archives available online for people, to.
5: I would like to see the ones that didn't
2: get to make it online. I'd like to see some of the ones that other countries have.
5: Uh, Like from Russia or from China?
2: Russia and China have been pretty well documented, at least in terms of media reports. Uh, But I'd like to see the U.S., maybe. Good luck. (laughs) I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, but uh, there was one president that tried to get us closer. We'll get to that in a little bit.
5: Well, if you want to see some of the stuff that the U.S. military has, you've got to look for the uh, hacker that they have now getting, are now getting extradited from England mm-hmm. over to here. Most people aren't aware of this, that a hacker who happened to be in England, who happened to be also be a UFO nut, nut, if you want to call him that, somebody with an interest in the subject, well, he hacked into the government, Pentagon in particular, and uh, acquired a, a bunch of data put it out on the internet and publish it the u.s government basically asked the british government to seize them and extradite them over now what's interesting is how can you charge somebody for stealing data or you know intruding in in getting data that's supposedly not supposed to
3: exist
2: exactly speaking of things that don't exist that kind of coincides with the story that matt costa has for us
3: could be From Montreal, a Canadian man is believed to be the only man alive without a pulse. The Quebec man who had suffered from a heart attack earlier in 2006 was deemed an an unsuitable candidate for a heart transplant. So a mechanical heart was implanted in his chest to keep the blood flowing. An interesting feature to this mechanical heart is that it provides a continuous flow of blood so that the patient has no pulse. Renzo Cicera, a surgeon for the McGill University Health Care in Montreal, told reporters that the 65 year old patient was the only person in canada living that is without a pulse or little to no blood pressure a spokesperson for the mechanical heart manufacturer Thoratec said that he had not heard of a single occurrence with the some 400 patients who have received these implants the man is still alive and is set to be discharged
2: sometime this month i heard they called in a specialist for that a specialist yes dr don johnson hello Yes, because he's looking for a heartbeat. <gasps> uh. Well, if they can't find a Pulse, they know they can go to their local video store and find the new DVD release of Pulse now available. I don't know. I had nowhere else to go with that. It's, it's interesting because, uh, you know, if you've watched Canadian television, you'd suspect there's actually quite a bit of Canadians without a Pulse. But uh, Degrassi, Degrassi Jr. High, anyone? Degrassi. No? <laughs> All right, anyway. That's the Week in Weird for this week. If you have a Week in Weird story you'd like to submit to us, just go to our website, SpookySouthCoast.com, sign up there, click on the message board, and you can go to the Week in Weird thread and drop a story in there for us to read on the air. And if we do so, we'll give you credit, even though you probably stole it from somebody else. We'll still mention you as giving it to us. All right, we're going to take a break, and then in the final ten minutes or so, we'll take your calls if you want to call up and share anything paranormal with us. 508-996-0500, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. And we'll also talk about a U.S. president and his interest in the UFO phenomenon. So we'll be right back here on Spooky South
1: on the shades, Spooky South Coast is back.
2: Welcome back into Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, silent assassin Matt Costa, and science advisor Matt Moniz along as well. And, of course, this past week the nation was uh, at a great loss with the passing of former President Gerald Ford. Uh, And, of course, we talked about him just recently uh, on our show about the JFK assassination because he was the last surviving member of the Warren Commission. But uh, a lot of people don't realize this. I didn't even realize this till uh, earlier this week. He was heavily involved in the UFO phenomena back in the 60s. And according to an article written by Frank Warren on his website, frankwarren.blogspot.com, here's a, a little bit of a sampling of what Frank wrote about Gerald Ford and UFOs. And uh, we're pressed for time, so if you want to read the entire article, just go to frankwarren.blogspot.com, and we'll link up to it on spookysouthcoast.com as well. But the year 1966 was very active for UFOs in this country. In particular, sightings were heavy in the state of Michigan, and understandably people wanted answers. The Air, Force back then, the Air Force back then was still officially investigating the phenomenon and asked J. Allen Hynek to calm the waters and offer an explanation. The answer he gave would haunt him the rest of his life. He attributed the bulk of sightings to swamp gas. But then Congressman Gerald Ford, being a diligent politician and in response to his constituents, wrote, In the firm belief that the American public deserves a better explanation than thus far given by the Air Force, I strongly recommend that there be a committee investigation of the UFO phenomena. I think we owe it to the people to establish credibility regarding UFOs and to produce the greatest possible enlightenment of the subject. I have taken special interest in these accounts because of the many latest reported sightings have been made in my home state of Michigan. Because I think there may be substance to some of these reports, and because I believe the American people are entitled to a more thorough explanation than has been given to the, by the Air Force to date, I am proposing either the Science and Ast- Astronautics Committee or the Armed Services Committee of the House schedule hearings on the subject of UFOs and invite testimony from both the executive branch of the government and some of the persons who have claimed to have seen UFOs in the firm belief that the American public deserves a better explanation than thus far given by the Air Force. I strongly recommend that there be a committee investigation of the UFO phenomena. I think we owe it to the people to establish credibility. Oh, I already read this part. This is repeating. Okay. The specific letter was received by the House Armed Services Committee and the House Science and Astronautics Committee in order to instigate hearings on the matter. Ford's efforts weren't met with great enthusiasm, however, he did in fact get the ball rolling, and a congressional symposium did later take place, ironically chaired by then Congressman Donald Rumsfeld. In a radio broadcast to his constituents on march thirtieth, nineteen sixty six, Ford stated my friends of the 5th fifth, fifth Congressional District, this is your Congressman Jerry Ford speaking to you from the nation's capital. As you know, I have requested a congressional investigation of unidentified flying objects, UFOs as they are called. I am most serious about this. This is the kind of subject that lends itself to some flack, a little criticism, and a shower of compliments. One, one day this week, I felt an unidentified flying object whizzed past my ear my right ear naturally upon close inspection i had no more trouble identifying this particular ufo than the air force did and telling the people of michigan that they have been seeing swamp gas. the ufo i encountered was a brick bat tossed by an irate gentleman who believes congress could use its time to much better advantage than investigating what he calls ufo hysteria But this is one of the few criticisms I encountered in the more than 50 letters that I have received since proposing that UFOs be investigated by either the House Armed Services Committee or the House Science and Astronautics Committee. I do think that the American people want a better explanation of UFOs than they have been getting. If my mail is any indication, there are many, many people who find it extremely difficult to believe in some of the stories put out by the government on this and other subjects. This is your Congressman Jerry Ford saying so long for now, and I'll see you next week at the same time, same station. So there's a little bit of the history of Gerald Ford with UFOs. Again, if you'd like to check out the entire article, frankwarren.blogspot.com, and we'll link up to it on spookysouthcoast.com as well. But right now we are up against the clock, the final closing seconds of Spooky South Coast for 2006. Thank you, everybody out there, for making our first year a great one, and we hope to do even bigger and better things in 2007. Matt Host, I hope you'll be back for the next year.
3: Definitely. I'll be here.
2: And Matt Moniz, I hope you'll be with us as well.
5: When I'm not out in the field.
2: All right. And hopefully you'll join us as well. We don't know when we're going to be back on due to the NFL football schedule. But as I said earlier, just keep tuned to SpookySouthCoast.com and stay tuned to MySpace.com slash SpookySouthCoast, and we'll give you regular updates. So until then, stay spectacular, everybody.
1: know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does not